You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. You've now tuned in to the Drawing Board Podcast, a powerful, thought-provoking discussion where we talk about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. Let's see what exciting guests we have on our show today. Welcome to the Drawing Board Podcast with the founder and host, Andre Ebron. I am here tonight, and you know that our topics always align with family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. I like to say this is uh, somewhat of a lifestyle podcast. I hope that when you think about the drawing board, the book, the podcast, the experience, which is the conference, I hope you see it as a a plug-in, a gateway or an access point where you're able to improve your life. This is all about taking quality information and being able to uh, derive better decisions and conclusions from what it is that you envision for yourself. Uh, Tonight, we are going to talk about the topic that it is something that has been talked about for eons, but we're going to address it head on uh, from your thought life. Uh, And we're going to talk about identity. When we talk about identity, we're talking about what shapes what you think, feel and believe about yourself. We're going to talk about the historic value of parenting and proper parenting, uh, where we must speak life to our children, where we must begin to decree and declare and affirm who they are uh, based upon the belief system that you're setting up for your household. We're going to talk about the quality of peer influence that they have, because I know there are a lot of parents who believe that sheltering their children from certain things are going to cause them to be better individuals. And I operate by this principle. With my children, I believe that they can be aware of something without being exposed to something. And so with my children, I I get a chance. It's funny. We took a ride back through where I grew up and I took them on the succession of uh, the first home that we started in to the projects that I used to visit uh, quite frequently and stay over there that my auntie lived in. I took them to the gradual uh, increase in the quality of our life based upon uh, geographic placement within the within the same city. I took them to I was always blessed to go to good schools. So they got a chance to see out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. I got a chance to go to Kroniger Magnet School. And then from that point in third grade, I transferred to Cornerstone Christian College Preparatory School. Uh, I believe one of the best schools in the entire nation uh, that is there to cultivate uh, the challenge Uh, students to grow beyond their current expression of their potential and really deal with their inherent gift and their inherent potential and their God-given destiny. So when we talk about identity, we're going to talk about parenting. We're going to talk about peer uh, pressure or peer influence. Uh, Then we're going to talk about the norms of society and the gates of influence that you are allowing, A, yourself to be exposed to, And then B, uh, if you're a parent that you're allowing your children to be exposed to. And then we're going to talk about where you worship uh, and the influence or the culture uh, that you may be receiving from church or your local church or your assembly, uh, wherever it is that you worship. And how all of those, uh, based upon how you decide to engage them, have shaped who you are today. And the question that I have to ask you today uh, with so many people looking for validation from social media or looking for validation within their household from their husband or their wife 
or from their children. Some people are even seeking validation from their children that they're actually being a great parent or that you're, you're looking from your, your best friends or uh, your frat brothers or your sorority sisters. You're looking for affirmation and validation. Uh, the real question that I have for you tonight is, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? And regardless of where it is that you've placed your faith, I'd like to read to you a scripture that comes from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, King James Version. And it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creepy thing or creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. I read that because that is a foundational scripture uh, really for all believers as it relates to shaping your identity. There are children come here believing that they can experience a the supernatural and B, using their imagination to see themselves greater than their current position. And the only thing that keeps them from imagining themselves accomplishing great things is that injection of what people would like to call reality. So reality for me is a perspective of a current situation because you've heard the saying before that somebody's perspective, it is their reality. And so when you think about that, before life came in and warped your sense of what was possible, you believed that you could accomplish all things. Like before uh, life came in or the pressure of certain circumstances came in or the if you came from a, a privileged position where everything may have been handed to you or you came from an impoverished condition where you had to work for every single thing, every inch that you've made of progress came with a lot of toil, challenge and work. Uh, in both perspectives, hopefully you were able to develop some type of work ethic. But whatever your mindset about possibility is, it shapes your identity of who you are. And then it it creates a realm that challenges the way that you engage in relationships, uh, the way that you converse with strangers, whether you're introvert or extroverted, uh, whether you believe in yourself or not. Like, what are the factors that shape your identity? Here's the challenge, and I'm going to shout out my A1 since day one. Kate is in the building. How you doing, Kate? Great. How are you today? Oh, I'm excellent. I know we were talking about you just, I think you said your nephew, right? Yeah, it's my fiance's nephew. Right. So, yeah. So, so nep- my future nephew. Your future nephew, right. He just had a, a birthday turning two. What's his name? His name is Zachary. All right, Zach, we want to shout you out on the Drawing Board (laughs) Podcast. Happy birthday to you, sir. And uh, we're going to call it the Terrific Twos. I know it's known as the Terrible Twos, but we're going to put a different spin on and say the Terrific Twos. See, I think threes when they get a little rowdy, so I don't think twos are too terrible. (laughs) Right, and as an early childhood educator, you know about that because three, that's when they go uh, from asking all the questions and taking all the risks to like just... I mean, going for going it. For it. <laughs> They're like, hey, we've already determined what's safe and what's not. I mean, we're going to go full throttle at it. And I think and I, and I brought that up 
uh, Kate. I brought that up because children are so inquisitive. Uh, they continue at all times to examine the world around them, and they don't really engage from a presupposition of, I know what this is. Very exactly. I actually spend a good portion of my day just answering questions, but we always encourage it because if they're asking questions out of genuine curiosity and they're, they want to learn or they have interest or they at least want to know why something like one of my students, they asked the other day about work and if work's fun and if, if, uh, meetings are fun. And it's like, you're trying to explain like they can be, some aren't, some are. And he's like, well, what's my job? And it's like, your job is just to learn. You're young. Your job's to learn. But I love that they ask questions though. And so that segues directly into the message that I'm sharing tonight. You're welcome. When we thank you very much. That was that was awesome. That was awesome. That was not even scripted. It was not scripted, <laughs> but it was definitely awesome because I believe that when we look at our identity, uh, we have to make sure that we continue to be inquisitive or curious about dimensions of ourselves that we have yet to discover. I'll say, I'll share that there are certain relationships that I engaged in or were privy to have that opened up a whole new dimension of my thinking or as people will know there are levels to this and when you get around people who are let's say I, I love there's a creative side to me I love to draw I love to write uh, I'm telling you my wife has a bank of poetry uh, that I wrote and I, I write every so often now uh, as it relates to poetry uh, but a bank of poetry that I used to just write and write and write and write. And when I get in that environment around those that are creative in those veins, that aspect or dimension of who I am, it catches a fire. And I love being around them. When I get around, uh, you know, people who are more analytical, like I love logic in a, a very major way. I'm more logical. Um, I think left brain is that's left brain is the, the logical side. Right brain is the creative side. So I have this tug of war going on and I've taken the different aptitude tests where uh, my creativity thrives in a major way. And then my logical side also has equal balance there. So uh, my mom growing up, believe it or not, Kate, you know how they make children choose like which hand will be their dominant hand. Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> I believe that I was supposed to be left handed. Um, but because I around age five, I was still operating so ambidextrously. Like my mom went with like the dominant societal choice, which forced me to be right handed. So, yeah, it's interesting. So I'll find myself doing more things with my left hand and then I can like draw in right with both hands. And so when you when you have the ability to do that. Like you don't really, and even in my personality, don't like to be put in a box, right? <laughs> See, I mean, I have a similar experience with the same thing. I am left-handed. Like I write left-handed, but when I was young, because, you know, you don't know, and because me being left-handed was so odd, they let me just use my right hand. Like I was encouraged to still do stuff. So I am ambidextrous in a way, but yeah, the same thing holds up. You you do find that certain things change for you like there's certain things i always reach for with my left hand and some i always reach for with my right hand that's right that's right and so i love it i'm using childhood as kind of the muse to paint the picture that your identity and discovering who you are like our responsibility is to continue to learn and the moment that you become closed off to that, growth becomes a struggle. Everything becomes a challenge. Um, the, the ups and downs, the vicissitudes of life, the, the, 
you know, uh, precarious positions you'll find yourself in. Like instead of taking those as learning opportunities, you'll allow like that depressive state to kick in. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening when it's really just another opportunity to engage and learn more about yourself. I know that you've heard people say it over all type of motivational platforms that they've learned more from their failures than they did from their successes. And I would like to share this. You'll learn more about yourself. Now, Kate, I know you're getting married, right? And here's, I've been in the game now 15 years. And I will make this humble admission is that a lot of times, well, in the confines of marriage, what I've found is you learn so much about yourself that you did not know. And because like in the the compromises that you make, the... You know, you never get a chance. I believe that until you get a chance to live with someone who you are committed to, who you love, who you're willing to make sacrifices for, that the ebb and flow of those relationships, like you learn a lot about yourself. So, yeah, that was just kind of like a comment of saying like those relationships, uh, especially if you will dare to be reflective, those relationships will draw out of you sometimes the best and the worst. And you'll look and say, whoa, I really need to improve in that area. Or like, oh, man, I didn't realize that that was a great strength of mine. But in the confines of a relationship, you'll get a chance to see your dominant areas and that will help shape your identity. What I want to share tonight uh, is that your identity should be based upon principle. I'm telling you, when you build your life on a set of principles um, that allow you to be kind, nice, effective, uh, build a strong work ethic, like those principles that have been tested, tried, and are sure. And for me, those are biblical principles. Those principles, if you look in every motiva- motivational vein, every inspirational vein, uh, the books that are bestsellers, uh, they use those principles in context to make whatever point they are making. And so those principles stand if sure. I'll tell you that and it'll continue to stand if sure where the word of God says heaven and earth will fade away. But his word, those principles, line upon line, precept upon precept, you know, it will never fade away. So when you think about your image. Whose image are you reflecting? Uh, I'd like to say that my current actions are a reflection of the future to come. So your future is not a mystery. Uh, your future is encased in the current decisions that you're making today. And the current decisions that you, you're making today are a byproduct of the thought that you had yesterday. The thought that you had yesterday is the direct result of something that you heard and or believed and you chose to make a decision. What am I saying? I'm saying that your identity, your image will not rise above your thought life And your thought life will not rise above your commitment to getting quality information about who it is you can become. Uh, I love First Lady Michelle Obama's book, Becoming, uh, that continual evolution of who you have the potential to be, uh, the good, the bad and the ugly. Uh, Dr. Oscar J. Dowdell Underwood, Jr., uh, the apostle of Cathedral of Praise International in Fort Wayne, says that we are the sum total of all the decisions that, we, that we're that we making. And so you have to make sure that what you're consuming, 
through your eye gaze, through your ear gaze, what you're daring to speak out of your mouth, that is reflective of the life that you want. And that's something that I want to share. Uh, you have been made in the image of God, uh, who was eternally existent and desired relationship and created man, and then said there's nothing dividing you and I. And so uh, definitely our thoughts are not his thoughts, our ways are not his ways, as high as the heavens are above the earth, yes. But we have access to that through the Holy Spirit. And so the thoughts of God, and it says that that spirit searches the, the things of God, yea, the deep things of God. So you can have access to what it is that God is thinking, and he'll share that with you. And so when people begin to make, this is what happens. When people begin to make different decisions about where they want to place you in their life as it relates to relationships, people begin to reflect and be introspective about someone else's decision about them. And what you cannot do is allow someone else's thoughts, feelings or opinions begin to make drastic changes to who you are as a person. Now, if it's going to edify you, if it's going to exhort you, if it's going to build you up, if it's a push in the right direction to challenge your growth, um, those relationships that are there to to coach you along, to mentor you, to counsel you. Of course, like that wisdom, you know, in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. So those relationships can be trusted. But when you're talking about somebody whose life is not proof positive of the change that you would like to see, my question is, why would you invest so much of your worth in the words of someone else? I have to tell you, whether it's a coaching relationship, mentoring relationship, a counseling relationship, the dominant voice in your life has to be the word of God, no matter who it is, because we all are subject to error because we are human. So it doesn't matter. You have to make sure that you are trying that wisdom by the word of God. And everybody can be well intended. Everyone can have their 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 course of history uh, where they have proven success. But if it is not you, then you can eat the meat. That means take from the wisdom of it and throw away the bones. Uh, you would be surprised how many people have given me their spin on what they feel I should do with the drawing board, with the book, with the podcast. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation around the conference and, you know, what should happen next? Should I do it? Should I not do it? People who are happy that I've done it, people who are unhappy that I did it, people who have all types of feelings about the things that I have done with the drawing board brand. And the positive things that people share, oh, man, you should do this next. You should do that next. If it's not character to the vision that God has given me, then I'm not going to move in succession with those comments. Although it's good, although it could make it happen. No, I, I have a set course that I'm following and this is the way that I'm going. It's the brands that you build have to be character to your character, if that makes sense. It has to be character to who you are. And the, the you realize in your businesses, and that's why it's good to operate within a team and have someone there to supplement uh, your areas of weakness, because you will duplicate uh, both your strengths and weaknesses in your business. Uh, and you have to make sure that when you are doing that and this all courses back to you have to know who you are and be firm in your identity. I'm telling you now. From the block to the boardroom, the name of the game is respect. 
And most people have a difficult time extending respect to other people because they have not learned first to respect who they are. And if you can't, if you don't know who you are, if you don't understand whose you are, it's very difficult to find a baseline of respect because you keep operating from this fluid perspective of, I don't know who I am. I don't know who I am. I don't know who I am. And of course, that is the, uh, for me, that was like the teenage question that came up, like, who am I? Who do I love? Uh, and, you know, uh, who is it? what was it? Who am I? Who do I love? Uh, what will I become? And those were like some of the main, and what's my purpose? And so those were some of the main questions. And if you realize, you know, and at a teenage age, you're like, okay, well, this was me as a teenager. Like, do I desire in my life to be married? And I strongly desire, I made a decision as a teenager that I strongly wanted to be married. And so in my teenage relationships, I was overly serious because I had made this decision that I wanted a long-term relationship. And my mom used to say, boy, you're going to scare these girls away because as a teenager, they're not looking for these long-term relationships. And hey, it worked out for me in the end. So I would encourage everybody to be true to who you are and uh, allow that evolution of who you are to stay constant to the principles you believe. So as you're evolving and you're becoming like it, it's not that you in some ways take on a whole new course of principle or you go an entirely new direction. But it is that your awareness and that your revelation of those principles that reveal truth uh, from spending time with God, from surrounding yourself in a community of faith, that you're hearing that word preached or taught or should be both preached and taught and you're getting the crux of what it is that you truly believe. Uh, a lot of people proclaim things that they haven't fully investigated. So when I say that you are an heir of the promise of salvation, that you are the seed of Abraham, that you are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, that he's made us to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. When I tell you that you've been made to be the first and not the last above and not beneath the lender and not the borrower. When I tell you that you have dominion on this earth, like you have to investigate what does that mean particularly because that is the general word to the body of Christ. This is who you are. You are the salt and the light in the earth. You are like a city set up on the hill that cannot be hidden. You are, um, you know, King's kids, you have as Christ was in the earth. So shall you be in the earth. That was what he proclaimed to us. And so now what you have to do is begin to become just like when I was talking to Kate about her nephew and talking about the other kids. You have to become curious enough to ask questions of those who you believe have the answer to your questions and then reflect introspectively and say, what does that mean to me? How does that apply to my life? And then start making decisions in the direction of your destiny. You are headed somewhere, but you have to be headed on a course that is character to your identity. I work with youth all of the time, and I absolutely love it. Uh, some of the best times with me working with youth is not me indoctrinating them or sharing uh, from the wisdom of my experience, but like allowing their curiosity and creativity to just fill the room 
through dialogue and listening to what they think and why they think and ask them questions and learn from them. Like, because you cannot teach somebody from where you think they should be. You can only teach them from where they are. And how do you know where someone is? Dr. Underwood, Apostle Underwood used to tell me this all the time. Uh, and it, whether it was in chapel, whether it was in the Lyceum where we were getting instructions, you can locate a person exactly where they are by when they open their mouth. So what does that mean? You have to apply active listening to those that you desire to teach. I tell teachers uh, some, you know, and sometimes when I'm teaching and training, I said, you have to listen to the children in your classroom and get to learn and, and know of them, learn them, their likes, their dislikes, their moods, their ups, their downs, uh, to be able to discern what's going on with them just by how their expression on their face or their movement in the room. Because if you won't take 10 to 15 minutes to listen to them, they're going to find it very difficult to sit there and listen to you for 45 minutes. Think about it. You yourself, you ever been in a conversation with someone and they are dominating the conversation with talking to you about things about themselves. They are just talking and you're like, okay, all right. Yes. And, and then you, you try to sneak something in there so that you can, you know, engage the conversation and it's reciprocal and there's some mutual sharing going on and they'll take whatever point you make and they'll bring it right back to something with them. And I have this, I have this, just this, this itching thought, like, you know, all of this cannot be true <laughs> when you're sitting there listening to it. And maybe that was a private thought that I should have kept private. But it's one of those things where everything that I share, you have some type of experience that correlates to it or you found a way to cross the, you know, make the connect the dots with something that is totally unrelated just because you want to go back to talking about, uh, you know, something you want to share. And here's the here's the 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 number one giveaway uh, for people who I've met who actually have a firm grip on who they are, uh, who understand their gifts, their talents, who operate firm in their beliefs. Uh, they're generally principle oriented people is that they don't have to cram all of who they are into one conversation. Uh, people who know who they are, you get a chance to experience their personality through their actions. And man, that is such a refreshing thing to be in the presence of people who know who they are because you don't have to stop every five minutes to validate or affirm uh, something that they've done. They are very clear about what their weaknesses are. They're very clear about what their strengths are. Uh, and they are committed to growing every single day, man, that those are refreshing conversations. Those are refreshing environments. Uh, one of the, one of the people that blesses me, uh, every time, every single conversation I have, uh, with my cousin, uh, he's my cousin in law, but we don't do like cousin in law. He's my cousin, uh, my cousin Darius, uh, with creative minds, uh, down in Atlanta, man, every single time that I talk to him, uh, I walk away from the conversation like fired up, motivated, uh, ready to take on the world, ready to, you know, advocate for the children and families whom I believe, ready to operate fully in my gift. Uh, just, 
you know, just there to like, hey, man, listen, you know, when you operate with someone who is a free thinker, someone who knows uh, that there's really no endless end to the possibilities and that you can live out your full life and engage people on your terms uh, when your intent and your motive is tight. Like that is somebody who knows who they are and it is a continuum of becoming. So you have to get a person uh, in your life um, that is there to, that can encourage you, but not someone who is there to reshape what you believe about you. Uh, and I say that in the context of, yes, yeah, sometimes people are there to help reshape if there's a warp or if there's a, something that's hindering your progress or if there's some negative narrative that you have about yourself. Yeah, there are relationships there to stop that, to help push you in the right direction. But I'm saying if somebody always has a critical word, if somebody's always trying to reshape uh, who you are so that you are in a condition that's best for their use, cut those ties. And get around an environment that allows you to be free. I'm telling you, I have gotten to the point where I limit a lot of conversation. I limit a lot of uh, environments that I go into that don't speak and align with who I am and where I'm going. Because that becomes a waste of time. Uh, but I make sure that I entrench myself in environments with with winners, people who are accomplishing great things, people who won't be envious of your success, people who won't uh, have, you know, all of these observations and glib comments about the things that you're doing, but will always see the potential in what it is that you're trying to do and then ally if they can or provide some type of assistance to push you further. Like that is something you have to do, but you first have to become firm and know your identity or you'll be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. That means if this person believes that when you're in that environment, that's what you'll adapt to as well. When you go to the next environment, if somebody believes something else, then you'll adapt and you'll align to that. And when you get to this environment, like you become a chameleon. And for some people that's like, oh man, you should do that. That adapt your, uh, your adaptive quotive, uh, quotient, um, excuse me, um, adaptation quotient, uh, that allows you to adapt to different environments and all of those things. Yeah, I get that. That's not the point that I'm making. The point that I'm making is sometimes it is not okay to blend in. Like you have to realize a square peg into a round hole will never fit. And if you are that square peg, you have to go to an environment that has more than one option. People, you go to these environments where it's polarized thinking and there's no divergent thought, then you're only going to have, you know, the round pegs going into the round holes. But you need a diverse environment that has uh, triangular uh, pegs that go into triangular holes, square, rectangle, uh, circle. Like you have to get an environment of diversity that allows you to be able to engage with the potential of others, which thereby enriches your experience. Uh, I worked at a school, um, American Promise Schools, awesome organization to work for. I think to date, 
as far as engaging and having the tough conversations that will make us more effective educators, American Promise Schools uh, was the, one of the best organizations that I've worked for thus far, uh, willing for people to confront where they are uh, from the growth mindset of, yes, OK, that may, may be where you are. But let's challenge that thought pattern by this, because what we have to do is we have to become better versions of ourselves so that we can better ed educate the children that we serve. And with that mindset, oh, man, listen, uh, it was so much great growth. But they it was I, operating on three central principles when we're looking at culture. And that is identity, relevance and belonging. But that first point of identity was is so huge that you have to ensure that you aren't multiplying a false sense of concept of who you are because children can point, they can point out phonies in a heartbeat. Uh, when you work in the hood, uh, one of the key components is being able to decipher the real from the fake, uh, that level of discernment that allows you to maintain your safety, even with words unspoken, knowing from a look or knowing from a position or knowing at the rate or the speed that the car's coming down the street, being able to anticipate what's happening next because your safety depends on it. All of these different things, components, experiences, words begin to shape our identity. I wanted to bring it all central to these Two things. One, that you're made in the image and the likeness of God. Which means that when you get a chance to look at yourself in the mirror, you get a reflection of, I'm not just talking about your physical appearance, but who you are, that spirit, man. A reflection of God. You are a supernatural being, a spirit, having a natural experience. And you realize that you are three dimensional, that you begin to engage your holistic life, the quality of your life, body, mind and spirit. From that point, when you begin to marry those three and there's some synergy that occurs, you'll find that you'll be at peace because within the triune God that I believe in, the father, the son, the Holy Spirit being one God and three different demarcating uh, assignments to the body. One to read, one to set a principle. That father is always there. He's constant. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You know, he, he, the, 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 uh, character of Christ yields compassion. That identity that is shaped, we see to be Christ like. That's what makes us Christians. That compassionate heart to walk in love, to stand for principles, to speak the truth in love, to come with truth and grace, to be Christ-like. That is our character. Our identity is hidden in God with Christ. And so God spoke. He said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So I look like him. I have the predilection and the propensity to be like him. He's even commanded us to be little G gods in the earth that we cannot begin to have dominion or dominate absent our connection to the capital S spirit or the capital G God. Our spirit, lowercase s, housed inside of us, 
begins to rule and dominate when we keep that vertical connection between us and God clear of anything that would abstract or obstruct us from knowing who we are. There's a host of I am's in the Bible uh, that will allow you to speak over your life daily, those positive affirmations about who God has called you to be. And at this point, you have to come to a juncture of knowing that God, he has nothing but the good for you. My pastor, chief apostle, Dr. Carolee Dixon said, but it's really contingent upon how you engage your level of obedience. Isaiah chapter one, verse 19 says, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. All of these things are contingent upon your ability to apply the discipline of principles in your life. Now, let's talk about parenting as it relates to identity. When I became a parent, man, listen, that was one of the most exciting and and also nervous uh, experiences in my life to see someone come into the earth who is 100% dependent upon me to provide a foundation for who they will become as well as an, a safe environment for them to become that. Their entire future uh, is hinged upon my ability to do that. And while I had, I have an awesome, awesome mother and I have a myriad of examples of some awesome dads because I built, you know, the father that I wanted to become. I built that from my engagement and experience with men in my community because I, like many other uh, young men, grew up without my father present in my life. But I knew that I could not parent from that pain. And so then uh, I had to engage with someone who I knew had the answer. So I asked my pastor and I said, Pastor, I, I don't want to parent from my position of pain. You know, what should I do? And she told me, she said, son, this you're going to get it. Well, told me a couple of things that I was going to get to experience the fatherhood of God in a way that I had never experienced it. And I had known him as my savior. I knew him as my Lord. I knew him as my provider, my sustainer, uh, my way maker, my bridge over troubled water. I, I knew he was all. He was my peace. He was my comforter. I knew all of those things, but I hadn't yet fully engaged with him as my father. And so then that man, that opened up a whole entire new dimension uh, of my relationship with God uh, to know that. He was my father, um, had devised a plan for me in such a way that I didn't have to push my own way. I didn't have to create my own way, but that if I aligned with him and got with the rhythm of God in my life, that it would lead me to the steps that he had already walked out for me. And then the second thing was that if I knew because I knew how to love that that's what I just needed to apply to my parenting. And these were two, if you think about it, two huge things that added on to the definition of who I was now as a man, a husband, well, first a man, 
man of God, a husband, and now a father. So the titles, the different things, the now I'm not talking about like your occupation. We'll get on that in a second. But the different roles you play in different relationships, son, brother, uh, husband, father, those bring definition. It's like when I was running track, cut like a fine diamond. I was working out all the time. The different exercises you did brought definition to your body. Uh, it wasn't the core makeup of your body, but it brought definition to your body. I know you probably like, yeah, you need to go back and work out now. I'm on it. I'm working on it, working on it. All right. So when I learned and I took full stock in, in what my pastor said, man, I went after parenting with everything that I had. And still uh, to my daughter, Christian, who's 13, and my son, Andre, who just had a birthday on July 27th. He's 12 now. Uh, I realized that I have, as it relates to these foundational years, uh, before they are getting ready to go and experience life on their terms and begin to walk out the plan that God has for them, like I have less time in front of me than I do behind me. And we go from that position of leading your family, your children. to and you, It's always a position of leadership, but it's the grace to go from leading in front of them to now guiding them along the way. So the game followed the leader. You think about it when you were young. Everything that the leader did, you were supposed to do. It was kind of like Simon says, you know, so if the leader went to the right, you went to the right. If the you know, if the leader went to the left or went up or down, you had to do exactly what the leader did. But when you're guiding someone, they have a little little more liberty and freedom to make decisions. And man, let me tell you, I experienced this with my younger siblings. Uh, one of the most challenging things is when somebody you love uh, that you have been leading and teaching and guiding, when they start to make decisions that you might feel are not in their best interest, but you have to allow them, as my pastor would say, make the journey. Um, you have to allow them to have their own journey and be right there to help them up, continue to guide them and lead them, cover them in prayer. So, yeah, that's another dimension of parenting that I haven't experienced yet. Uh, but I have experienced that as kind of like a brother dad, um, you know, with my sister and with my siblings. And what broadens uh, my perspective as it relates to identity is when you as a parent have been responsible for helping to sculpt uh, the identity or expose or develop or make your child self-aware of who they are becoming. That is such an interesting experience when uh, they go from being little and some of the kids, they come here with their their personalities are just already blaring on 100 percent volume when they first arrive here. But then there are other children that you get a chance to see them kind of come into their own. You get a chance to kind of see them embrace who they are, kind of define what they like and what they don't like. Uh, you'll see that expressed through like their diet, what they like to eat, what they don't like to eat, what you expose them to as a parent. And. Uh, this is something that's so funny about like uh, my son and I is uh, my son is getting a chance to experience the suburban life. You know, he's we live in the suburbs of the city and 
uh, there are certain experiences that are character to live in a suburban life than it is from living in the city. And what he got a chance to realize, and I messed with him. I, I said I was going to stop uh, messing with him about this. But when we say, oh, man, these guys are suburban kids. They don't know anything about, you know, uh, any hard knocks. They pretty much have access to everything. They're comfortable. Uh, you still develop within in them a work ethic. So, yes, they're honor roll students. They're handling their business academically. Uh, they're engaged in extracurricular activities, et cetera, et cetera. But there were some challenges, certain challenges that I experienced growing up. And while I had an awesome childhood as well, there were certain challenges uh, that were there um, that helped me develop a certain level of grit. Uh, we've learned how to polish it up and all of those other things, but there's a certain level of grit. If push came to shove, uh, my problem solving skills have already been sharpened because of the challenges that I've experienced where I have to create pseudo challenges for my children to experience, to sharpen their problem solving skills, to know how to make the best out of a bad situation, to always see the positive and create from that point to never allow no to stop you because no is just one man's answer, but always start with that tenacious, uh, you know, identity of who you are that drives what it is that you do. And um, I see that in education as well, as it relates to children who in encounter math problems or uh, they're not you know, necessarily reading as at a proficient level. And when they encounter a challenge, I see some of them close the book and stop. I see some of them on math just decide that they're not going to do the entire worksheet because they don't want to encounter a problem that they don't know how to complete. And I always tell them, if you knew everything that we were going to deliver on a daily basis, there would be no reason for you to report here every single day. I hope that I challenge you with something. This is what I tell them. I hope that I challenge you with something you don't know so that we can begin the process. Because if I only give you what you know, you haven't learned anything. What does that mean in relation to parenting? You should have a course set up for your children. Of knowing that, hey, at age five, we're going to introduce them to this. At age seven, we're going to introduce them to that. At age eight, nine, ten, we're going to take them over here. We're going to drive them, you know, uh, back into the city. We're going to allow them to engage. Uh, and I keep using that word engage because that's a word that my pastor has been using a lot as it relates to doing uh, what's necessary to see the manifestation of God in our lives in this new chapter that my pastor has been preaching on. So. When you think about that, like you should have a plan and along along that lines of that plan, you begin to gauge their interest and you begin to see what they like. And then from that point, because they're in the safety of your home, like fully invest in the direction of their interest and allow them to exhaust all of their ideas as it relates to that so that they can know, hey, listen, I saw that to the end. I like it or I don't like it, but I've given all I've got in that area. So now I can make a full assessment. I always tell my kids, you cannot determine uh, how successful something will be if you have not fully invested or gave your all to it. 
if it is a relationship and I'm a, I, I am an all or nothing person. I am either 100% behind you or I am not behind you at all. That's just kind of who I am uh, in relationship friendships. I'm either your man, hundred grand. I am your friend. I'm a, I'm going to stick with you through thick and thin. I am committed to you or I know that I shouldn't engage or enter into that, that level of relationship because, hey, I cannot provide that 100% friendship. Uh, and being an all or, or all or nothing person, like those polarities, um, sometimes it becomes a challenge for those who are not like that, who are comfortable with giving 15% to a relationship and expecting it to work. They still want to absorb your 100%, but they only want to give 15. They're not into reciprocating at the same level that they are receiving. And that is, for me, that is always the goal. It doesn't have to be the same way, but it has to be the same level of effort. So if someone is giving me 150% of their effort in a relationship, whether it's an associate, whether it is a close friend, whether it is uh, within the confines of my marriage, it, you giving me 150, I'm giving you 150. And it may materialize and look different, but the level of effort is definitely equal. And I think that's what relationships need. So with your children, with our children, we have to ensure that we are giving them core components and principles that are shaping their identity. I am very focused on that as it relates to my children, like what they believe about themselves. And sometimes you have to sit and listen and it can produce some very uncomfortable situations. Here's the case in point. My daughter was participating in uh, the program, and I know you all have heard about it. Uh, Pretty Brown Girl. Excellent program. Sherry Crawley uh, and her husband, her team, uh, Corey and the entire team. Excellent program. And so while I'm every day affirming you know, how beautiful my daughter is, how excellent she is, how intelligent she is, how compassionate she is, how gifted she is. And this is something that she's hearing from me on a daily basis. Uh, she has to form her own opinion about herself. And that has a lot to do with what we're saying about her, what her peers are saying about her, what she accepts as truth. And so when she participated in Pretty Brown Girl, it unearthed some different thoughts that she had about herself and the way that she needed to digest and see herself that I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that you thought that or I didn't know. So I learned in that moment, I was like, yo, I need to make sure that I'm sitting and doing as I gave the advice there, doing more listening and not just pouring out into her life. I felt like as a father, if I continue to affirm her, if I continue to speak life to her, if I continue to tell her all of these things, then bam, that's just what it is. That's what it's going to be because that's what I said. I've decreed it. I've declared it. I believe it. I affirm it. Yeah, all of those things are true. But the way that it will manifest in anybody's life will be upon their level of receptivity of what it is you said. And so while they believe everything you said, especially when children are in loving conditions and they know their parent loves them and some of them feel like their parents are obligated to say nice things about them, uh, sometimes they don't. It doesn't carry as much weight because they believe that in your parenting role that you're obligated to say that. 
And so what you have to realize is that, especially around those middle school years, those are the years that I'm in with my children, is that some of the dominant influence that comes in at that time is peer influence. Now, when I grew up and how I run my household now is I want to know your friends. I want to know your friends of your friends. I want to know the parents of your friends. Who are you talking to on a regular basis? Whose phone number is the most called number in your phone? Like we have to check these things out because when you engage in conversation, you have just now yielded permission for that person to influence what you think, what, how you feel and what you believe. And I just have to make sure that I'm guarding, uh, you know, the gates for my children to ensure that they're not getting a whole bunch of, of gibberish or things that will be inconsequential to their destiny. That's just me. You can say overprotective dad. I'll take it. Hey, you know, something I might need to work on comment below if you think that, <laughs> but that's something that I do. Uh, and I talk to my children. I keep it a 100% real about any question that they may have. And when I say I keep it 100% real, I also gauge the delivery method in which I, I present the information because sometimes you can expose your children to too much information that now puts them in an imbalance in how they're able to relate to their peers. Uh, I will tell you this, that um, at that peer level, there are conversations happening that will blow your mind, <laughs> but you have to make sure that you stay. Uh, and I'm not saying be a friend to your child. No, but you have to have a healthy relationship with your child that they feel comfortable sharing what they feel, what they believe, what they are thinking without judgment. It means that your love must go beyond this conditional position, like not just a position as your parent, but I am in relationship with you and I have an assignment to raise you in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. But I understand that is a process that is formed through relationship. So, yes, I know people are like, Ebron, when your daughter starts dating, I know I've already told people that I'm, I'm well armed for those days. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, uh, we talk about that even now at 13. Uh, we talk about dating. Uh, we talk about, you know, how we talk about marriage and we use our marriage. My wife and I, we use that as an example. Um, and we, we tell them, we talk to them about how we met, you know, our conversations, the things that people should or should not be saying to you, the conversations that are there to lead you in a direction that you don't want to go. You have to be speak firmly and boldly and stand for what you believe in. Like that is just what you should do and be confident in that. And don't be swayed just because, Someone may feel that you become unpopular in their eyes. Like, what does that really mean? I, I pointed out to my son and my daughter and it might be a good exercise for you as well, is that if you had the support of everybody you believed should be supporting you, what would that translate to as it, as it relates to action? Uh, okay. Do they 
uh, secure where you live? Do they uh, influence, you know, what it is that you do? And if you can answer those questions with, uh, no, they don't, no, they don't, and no, they don't, then you need to begin to realize that their criticism has very little weight and value. The only people's criticism that you should take stock in and actually measure or weigh are those that are pushing you in a positive direction because their criticism can be trusted because their love has already been proven. With these last five minutes of the drawing board podcast tonight, I want to encourage you to go to my Instagram and you can follow Andre underscore Ebron, or you can follow the business Instagram, which is uh, Ebron associates and engage share uh, on the comments below. How has this helped you in any way? Like, are you firm in your identity? Are you still yet developing like who you are? And in the process of, of developing who you are, like you don't have to have what everyone else has, but be very confident in what it is that you do have and present that to the world. Present that version of yourself to the world and realize who we are. Like we all are under construction. We all are still developing. Uh, none of us have arrived yet. So take the pressure off. And when you take the pressure off or the stress off of I have to be this way or I have to be that way or this environment requires me to be this way. What you need to learn to do is live authentically from your core, those principles. And as we close out, I like to say if you have a conference, a panel, uh, a podcast, a TV show, something that you feel that me lending my voice to that could enrich the experience for your followers or your audience, let's engage. Please give me a phone call or an email, info at ebronassociates.com, or uh, my phone number is very clear, 313-663-8772. I can be reached directly there. And I'd like to just close out like I always close out, that your future, it is not behind you. It is not before you. It is within you. I'm Andre Ebron from the Drawing Board Podcast. God bless you.